just want to share with you uh, just a few verses here, only four verses. I know some of you think based on the way I go on Sunday morning, this means it'll take about four hours for me to finish. But uh, really, I just, just want to focus our hearts for a few moments on these verses as it speaks to us about joy through the unity that we have together. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Again, Paul is writing to the church there at Philippi, a church that he really established, that he preached the gospel to in this area, and they came and formed this church, and he was writing to them because he still cared for them. This is what he said. He said, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. So Paul's made this transition. He's encouraged them to walk in a certain way, to fulfill their testimony before God, then he comes to them and he says, hey, I want you to fill up my joy. I want you to fulfill the joy of my life. It's a great request here. I mean, the, the main idea is just fulfilling the joy of an individual. The book of Philippians, it has a couple of themes at least, but one is the theme of joy, rejoicing, having joy in life. Now, Think of this a moment. A church should be a place where there is joy. A church ought to be a place where you can rejoice together as God's people. There's a joy that should be abundant in each and every life. All of us. There should be some basic contentment that we have, an expression of joy of what God has done in our hearts and lives. I believe that God's people should be marked by joy. Someone has said that joy is the banner that flies over the heart of the believer. And certainly it should, as we've experienced his life. When we come to church, there ought to be joy. Could you say amen? There ought to be joy in our hearts and our lives, specifically as we see one another come together in unity. You know, for Paul, he, he's, he's speaking to them. He's like this father to them, this mentor. He says, hey, I want my joy to be complete. I want you to fulfill my joy. And the way that you would do that is by maintaining the unity of the church. And look again at verse 1. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... I think a better translation of verse 1 is this. Assuming there is consolation in Christ, assuming there is comfort of love, assuming that there's a fellowship of the Spirit, assuming that there is affection and mercy. In other words, it is a statement of reality. He understands that this is the reality. He's not just saying this is a hypothetical. He says we have experienced these things in our lives. He said this is what my message is based upon. I'm affirming these issues. Notice, again, encouragement in Christ. Christian encouragement. He said, since there's Christian encouragement, the idea of consolation, encouragement, is the idea of somebody coming alongside of you. 
The word that is used there is the same word that's used of the Holy Spirit. The one who would come alongside of us. And we as believers, we come alongside of each other. Paul just recognizes, since that's a reality, that we're individuals who come alongside of each other. If there's any fellowship of the Spirit. That word fellowship, the original word, koinonia. I use that because you are probably familiar with that. You ever driven by a koinonia Baptist church or a koinonia church? You ever seen one before? You never seen one? I'll take you out in the country of North Mississippi. There are a few of them up there. Koinonia, what does it mean? It means fellowship. Now, we as Baptists, when we think of fellowship, we think of chili cook-offs. If, if we're having fellowship, it means we're going to eat. We're going to have... Uh, we're going to have food and we're going to enjoy each other's relationship. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the New Testament idea of fellowship, this idea that if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any koinonia, it, it, it means that if there's anything that we hold in common of the Spirit of God, koinonia means to hold in common, to be bound together. That it, since, there's, since there's this binding together of God's people through the Holy Spirit. I'm, I missed this other one, but if any comfort of love, that means if, if you have the comfort of knowing that there is love in your midst, okay? And that word there for love is that that I've told you, the agape love, the committed type of love. If you can recognize a church and, and know that there is this committed type of love that you have for one another, if there's any compassion or affection and mercy, he said, since those those are the things we're looking at and those are the things we think about when we think about a church, he said, if with all of that being said, you take those things and you fulfill my joy. You fulfill my joy through that unity that you have together as a church. Now, over the last few Sunday mornings, I've talked about this original language, this tense in particular here. It means to fulfill it in a decisive manner. It means you choose in your heart and life. Just like I talked about this morning, you choose to forgive. You choose to fulfill the joy of Paul. That's what he's saying here. You are going to fulfill my joy. You're going to choose joy for me in some sense. Because you are going to maintain unity together. And notice in verse 2 how he frames this for us. He says, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Just look at those things. He says, by being like-minded, that you're thinking the same kinds of things. In a moment, well, I guess actually two or three or four weeks from now, I'm not sure when I'll be back preaching on Sunday night. We've got several things going on. and But uh, we'll talk about verses 5 through 11, which give us the example of Christ Jesus in his mind, the way he thought. And he's going to encourage us to think like Jesus. But that's how we come together is we think alike because we think like Jesus. We, we develop this mindset among us. It doesn't mean that we don't have differences. He'll even encourage us to esteem the differences in a moment when we look at this. We have differences, differences of opinions. Uh, we, we can disagree over certain things. We know that, right? We can disagree over a whole lot. 
hey, I've been through a few building projects. Now, I'm not saying, thankfully, we had not had any disagreements over the youth renovation yet, <laughs> right? I'm not saying me and you. I'm talking about us and them. You know what I'm talking about? But I've been through a few building projects. You can have disagreement. You want to talk about colors? Woo! There was once upon a time where I just said, I'm not having anything to do with the colors. Get some ladies that know what they're doing because the guys have no clue. You get them in here and you let them cheat. You talk about disagreement. We can have disagreements on those kinds of things. But when it comes to the purpose of who we are, when it comes to the mind of Christ, we share the same, we share the same priority. We share the same thought. Obviously, it's about the kingdom. It's about Christ. It's about doing what we should be doing as a church. If we're always focused on colors and those kinds of things, we have missed the purpose of why we exist. We have the same thought processes about the holiness that should be in our lives and and the mission that we should be a part of. He says, you fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having a unity about you. We're going to see the other terms here to describe that unity, but maybe I ought to stop here and just say, how blessed is it for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity? How wonderful it is to experience unity in the body of Christ. The church at Philippi obviously has some divisions. Paul's addressing it here in this letter. There are going to be those individuals that he will speak directly to as we continue our study through the next few weeks. He'll call them out. He'll encourage them to come together because of the division. But here he's laying the groundwork. He's saying how joyful it is to have unity in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. To have unity. To come together with the same thoughts. You know, I'm one of these guys, I just don't like conflict. I don't know about you, but I I just don't like it. I've kind of been around people in the church that seem like they can thrive on conflict. Now, I'm not saying folks at Temple Baptist, but I'm saying... Different churches I met, they seem like they just kind of thrive on it. They live for some type of conflict. And I always, you know, I always kind of want to go back and, and just kind of talk to them a little bit and say, now, now tell me exactly why you like start strife within the church. I mean, what is it that is real encouraging about that? I'm not sure they could find an answer. You know, there are times certainly we stand for the truth. I recognize that. But outside of truth issues, we ought, to be, we ought to be gracious in our relationships with one another. I mean, we stand for the truth, and if it brings division, it brings division. But if it's outside the truth, again, I hate to keep using it, but I guess I've been through a lot of these color scheme things. If it's something like that, Those are the non-essentials that we can be gracious with, that we can talk through. I believe God wants his church to be unified in him. I think he does. 
You know, Leslie and I often talk about our experience here at Temple in the last three years or so and how blessed we are to know that we are part of a body that has exemplified unity over those three years. And I mean that. I mean, I mean it. Because there are those places I've been where it hasn't always been this unified. I blame the deacons on it. But, you know, I've always been this... And you've heard me probably mention over the last few weeks how we should give thanks for that spirit of unity, how we should enjoy it, how we should let the joy of God just reign upon the unity at temple, but also how we should guard it, how we should seek to protect it, how we should seek to be the people of one mind, of, of, of one thought together. I think joy attracts people too. I think unity attracts people. Now, I know most of us, or or not most of us necessarily, but there are a lot of people who, as I said, enjoy strife and a lot of times a good old church fight. I think I'm preaching that somewhere along the way. Am I not, Andy? I think in here, I think I've entitled one of these messages, good old church fight. You know, a good old church fight can attract people. It can I've been there on business meeting when I looked up and thought, whoa, where do these people come from? I didn't know they were coming here tonight. I hadn't seen these people. I didn't know the FBI could find some of these people. I know it can. But that only draws for an event or two until something goes out. Let me tell you what really happens in a church's life. When a church expresses joy and unity, it is attractive to the people around You want to be a part of that. Be a part of a people who just enjoy one another in relationship and enjoy his kingdom, enjoy his mission. And they're unified in it. Fractured churches can hinder the kingdom of God. When I was in Pine Grove in Picayune, I was there for, like I said, about five years and wonderful ministry. The Lord just really blessed me with the folks there at Pine Grove. But some years before... Some years before, they had had a church split. Quite a few years before I got there. But you hear about the history, right? When you go and you... They had a church split and the church kind of... The other folks went down, I think, maybe three miles. Leslie, you probably better at this than I. Three miles away and started another church. Called it Unity Baptist Church. I kid you not. kid you not. You know, sometimes we can play like we got unity. Sometimes we can call ourselves unity. But oh, how blessed it is when you have true unity and the joy that's there. And that's really what Paul's saying. Paul loves his church. Paul started this church. He loves them. And he said, I want you to fulfill my joy. I want you to, I want you to take my joy cup and I want you just to fill it up and up and up and just let it overflow because you have unity among yourselves having the same love. That's the agape word again. Having the same commitment in love toward one another. Being of one accord. One soul. That word there, one accord, I'm not going to flesh it out too much. It just simply means that you are like souls. That it's like your soul and my soul 
somehow bear witness together to the unity that we have. goes beyond just our expressions. Or There's something about, hey, you may not like this, but we soul brothers. We soul sisters, right? And that we have like souls, he says. And then he comes back to of one mind. Same phraseology he used earlier when he said like-minded. So it's almost like he's given a little repetition. I don't think Paul forgot to use the word. I think he just mean, meant, oh, yeah, did I say that you ought to have the same mind? You got to have the same mind. I'll just say it twice here so you're reminded. And then in verse 3, he fleshes it out just a little more. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness, humility of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. So how do you maintain unity? Is you realize it's not all about you. Did you hear me? It's not all about you. And you know what? It's not all about me. I, I think I think a lot of our churches these days, we might ought to put that sign on the front door. It's not all about you. It's not all about me. We were walking in the church yesterday, coming in upward. Uh, Abigail was with me. She looked up and she said, you know, I never noticed what that said. You know what I'm talking about right over here? Enter, what does it say? Enter to worship, depart to serve. I said, you never noticed that? She said, I never noticed that. I said, well, look, at it. it's kind of cool because it reminds you we're coming in here to worship Him, we're going out of this place to serve Him. It's a great sign. Wonderful sign. But maybe today in the contemporary church, and when I say that, I'm not talking about worship. I'm talking about the church of today. We need to go out and say, hey, it's not about us. Church is not just about us. That's what's happened in the American church. It's all about us. And before you start pointing fingers, folks, you better take a little personal reflection because you and I get caught up on it too yes we do there are some things I like there's nothing wrong with likes is there amen somewhere along the line there there's nothing wrong with you liking something nothing wrong with me liking something but what we do at church is not just about what we like do you know how many likes are out there you got a bunch of likes. I got a bunch of likes. Sometimes they'll run together. Sometimes they will run apart. What's cool about it is we're not here for our likes anyway. If you come in here for your like, you're missing the purpose of the kingdom. When we come to the church, what we ought to be doing is esteeming one another. First of all, we come for Christ Jesus. We're coming to somehow serve him and to bless, to, to, to hear from him. The church should be about him, not us. And second, just as Paul says here, if you're going to talk about unity, you look at one another and you esteem one another better than you do yourself. That's humility. That's the walk we should have before the Lord. Don't want to get too far ahead, but let me just say this. That is the exact example of Christ Jesus. Because Christ Jesus denounced meism 
And he embraced sacrifice. He paved the road for us. He gave us the example that we should esteem others better than ourselves. That we should give to others more than we're concerned about ourselves. And that is humility. Look at verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. He says, don't look out just for your own interest. Our culture, our society says, it's all about you. Paul says, you look out for the interest of others. Now, I think it's, I think as you study the passage, it goes even farther than that. Even farther than the surface reading here. Because that word for others means totally different. Those who are totally different from you. It's this idea of hetero. You've heard it used, which means opposite. He says, you look out for the interest of people that are totally different from you. Woe. When you look at it that way and you hear what God has to say, that can sober you for a moment. Because see, I'm okay with looking out for the interest of people that are kind of like me. Why am I kind of good with that? Because I know they probably have some of the same interests I do. So I'm all right with doing that, you know, because I might have to, I mean, I might have to adapt a little bit, might have to, you know, it's, I might have to do a little bit of that, but I don't have to do a whole lot. But listen to this. Don't look out for your own interests. Look out for the interest of the folks who are totally different from who you are. This is where I'm wanting to look at Paul and say, Paul, you're meddling now. Paul, I was with you up to this. Paul, I could take this message, I could apply it, I could feel good about myself, but now, Paul, God calls us to experience the joy of unity, but He calls us to do it by looking to the interest of other people, of loving other people with the agape type of love. With giving over. When you get to the point in your life where you can say, you know what, it's not about me. Church is not about me. I can give over on some of these things. You have found a true key to understanding the unity of the church and the joy that comes through that unity. When we're willing to submit ourselves I remember having a conversation with an individual some years ago who came in and they were really upset about some of the things that were happening in the church. And man, they were just letting me have it. And I said, so you think I'm getting everything that I want? Well, yeah, you the pastor. I said, let's talk just a minute about this. None of us get everything that we want. And it shouldn't be like that. We're not here to serve the pastor. We're not here to serve the deacons. We're not here to serve... You know, there are times when the pastor says, you know what, that's not exactly what I'd do or where I'd go, but if that's the way God is leading us, 
then we need to go that way. Because it's not about us. It's not about any of us. No matter how we think we elevate ourselves, it is not about us. It is about the service to the kingdom of God. It is about Christ Jesus. It is about His work. And it is about His joy. I tell you, when you can approach life that way, you will experience more joy in your life. You'll experience more unity in the church. You'll see, hey, as I said a moment ago, I think you'll see more individuals coming to be a part of his church. Because people want to be a part of something that is greater than themselves, something that is bigger, something that they see that is unified and joyful, something they know that can make a difference in people's lives. So listen to what Paul would say to us now. Fulfill my joy. Fill it all the way up. Take the cup. Just run it over with joy. Do it through unity. Have the same mind, same thoughts, same, same purpose. If you have to give a little bit because you're thinking of somebody else than yourself, give a little bit. Think about somebody else. Fulfill my joy. Experience unity. Let's pray together. Father, we do pray for this congregation of believers. I pray for my spiritual family. And God, how I bless your name for the unity and the peace that you have given us. May we never take it for granted. May we never, Lord, dismiss it. But may we recognize that you, the prince and your son, the prince of peace, Lord, you have created this environment. And Lord, I pray that as we move forward, I pray that as we think of things that you have called us to, as we look at greater purposes every day, Lord, I pray that you would keep us unified. I pray that joy would mark us as your believers. I pray that from this place out into the community, they would spill that sense of joy and unity. As we, Lord, commit ourselves to you. Help us to renounce pride in this place. Help us to renounce meism even tonight. Help us to embrace sacrifice. Help us to embrace the mind of Christ himself. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand tonight?